Welcome to the Parent Panel. This is the show for parents and carers of small humans, adults who want to learn from and laugh with other parents. Today, we're talking about child tattoo artists, trad wives, competitive lunch boxes, and lost socks. I do a massive job keeping them alive. I'm not going to climb up that slide and go down that slide and ruin my pants. Two nights ago, my daughter punched me in the face for a laugh. And then I just, I just, I spent the next half an hour making her feel better about punching me in the face. My wife and I have this great saying with each other, and that is, the days are long, but the years are short. The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Holly Wainwright is our mum. She's Mamma Mia's head of content and co-host of the podcast, This Glorious Mess. She's the mum of one girl and one boy who are just ahead of mine. Uh, yeah, Matilda's just turned 10. Oh, my Lord. 10 and seven and a half. Wow. And, uh, of course, you are also the author, uh, I'm going to say, of many books now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> Mummy Bloggers, How to Be Perfect and One on the Way. Yes. Coming September. Book on the Way. Yeah. Mm. Are you allowed to say the title of the one on the way? It's called I Give My Marriage a Year. <laughs> and everyone's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I want to read it now. <laughs> yeah, that's the response we were looking for. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, Our dad is comedian Simon Kennedy. He has written a book called 9-11 and the Art of Happiness. He's the father of one son who is nine? Almost ten. Almost double digits too. And your daughter's first year of high school, right? That's right, right. yeah. How's she going? She's enjoying it. Oh, I love that. She's got an enthusiasm for it, which is... (gasps) Hope that lasts a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Encouraging. And last time you were in, she'd entered a film competition. Is that right? Yeah, right. Um, well, she has entered the same. It's uh, called Bloodfest, <laughs> which is basically uh, it's a horror film festival for for kids and young people. And um, so she did enter a couple of years ago, and she, you know, picked up a couple of awards for a little film she made. Wow. So she made another one. Um, at the end of last year and yeah. entered it and got Best Director. So, oh, yeah. And the Oscars. Actually, in her first yes. film is um, is actually has been selected at, in Atlanta for a Women in Horror Film Festival. So, Holy yeah, moly. So she's up for Best Youth uh, Film. She's a child prodigy. She's a busy she's kid. T- she's That's gifted. fantastic. I have to ask, though. So um, my husband's super weepy whenever our kids achieve anything. Oh. So... He has been known, well, actually, we both cried at this point, but Darcy was on stage with maybe six kids and maybe four people in the audience, and he (laughs) cried. (laughs) So I'm just wondering, when your child actually achieves something significant, like Mm. that Best Director Award for something like a horror film... Do you get weepy or is it a bit like... I don't know. Like, I'm I'm very very proud. I'm Mm. very excited for them. Um, uh, My wife is very weepy. Uh, especially for for our son, you know, they've got a super bond, um, and he was actually—they're all little actors in our family. And a performer, he was nominated for an actor award at the end of last year. Oh my for, God. Uh, wow! For Sin, uh, not Sin City, it's called Secret City. Sin City is another story we're talking about. Um, <laughs> for Secret City, so he was walking the red carpet. He was, wow. and it was a bit—it was a bit surreal for us. It was a bit surreal, but my wife was just ridiculously proud and sort of. Saw him in a little tuxedo, and oh. she, I could see her just getting all. <laughs> <laughs> my baby boy. Oh, 
real. So it's a really, yeah. But so I'm always mean, getting sympathy tears. You, I am. And I'm also like, that really puts Matilda's end of year, like, best cricketer in class award to shame, I oh, think. I love that. And that's good, yeah, good old Aussie but sporting. But our kids are terrible at cricket. Oh, well, there you go. They're very <laughs> Matilda's not, really good at cricket. Yeah, ours not so much, no. No sporting awards in our house, I'm afraid. None. Oh, well, that's exciting. All right. Well, first up today, we're going to talk about a different skill for children, and it's um, we're going to talk about child tattooists. One mother, please. Wait a minute. How old are you? 21, sir. Get in the chair. Yes, Mrs. Simpson, we can remove your son's tattoo. It's a simple routine involving lasers. Cool. However, it is rather expensive, and we must insist on a cash payment up front. Cash? <laughs> Good old Bart. He just wanted a mum in a heart tattoo. What's wrong with that? And in the real world, there is a, a nine-year-old girl in Germany who um, could be one of the youngest tattooists in the world until someone else comes forth to claim that title and her father Lily Lou says she started tattooing at about two years of age with assistance of course they didn't just give her the tattoo and what do you call it gun yeah Yeah, needle it's a needle gun it's a needle gun two words together that are quite alarming yeah needle gun I know what else could you add to that with to a two-year-old poison dart death ray (laughs) needle gun death ray (laughs) Maybe that's how they'll be doing tattoos in the future. But the story also reminded me of um, that kind of fad. I don't know if it still is a thing where parents were getting tattoos of their kids' drawings on their arms. Oh, yeah. Um, So, Holly, firstly, what do you think of a nine-year-old tattoo artist? And secondly, would you get one of your kids' drawings tattooed on your skin? Well, obviously, children are extraordinary and different in every way, but I, there is absolutely <laughs> zero chance I would be standing still for either of my children if they were wielding a needle gun. I would be running very fast in the other direction. Kids of that age are not known for their focus, and clearly this Mm-mm. little girl is, is extraordinary because I could see, particularly my son Billy, being very enthusiastic about the idea of tattooing mummy with a needle gun. <laughs> But two seconds into it, he would be distracted very simply by something shiny and another, and I would just end up with a very bloody mess. Mm. As for the drawings, uh, no, I think no. They're very, they're a moment in very specific time, aren't they? Do you remember when Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt got married and she had the kids' drawings on, on her, her dress? dress? Yeah. It was like, way to ruin a really nice dress, lady. But anyway. <laughs> I think my my boy is obsessed at the moment with drawing Minecraft characters and Minecraft figures, and he will spend hours, very detailed, sharpie drawings. He's obsessed. Mm-hmm. So if it was right now, this minute, he would love to cover me in those, but he will be past that in five minutes, and I would forever be looking at this thing <laughs> called a wither or an ender mob or whatever, and I'd be like, what, what was I thinking for like five minutes in February 2020? Like, no, no. Oh, gosh. Simon, what do you think? Well, yeah, no and no. Um, <laughs> so I don't have any tattoos anyway. So, mm. And I'm not judgmental of people with tattoos. I just don't want them on me. Uh, and it's not the pain factor. I think it's a fact. I love T-shirts, right? So, I'm, but, I, but I get sick of them. I love design. I'm like, I love this, this T-shirt. so cool. And then I'm like, uh, no, I don't want to wear it anymore. And I'd be the same with tattoos. Um, <clears throat> even more so with amateur tattoos that <laughs> children have done. Um, my, uh, yeah, like focus. Holly, you said focus. That is everything. Uh, just think it through, kids. Um, my daughter 
wanted to, to have like a hot Milo the other day. And I'm like, okay, yeah, right. And she and then she put the kettle on and it was boiling. I'm like, okay, I was kind of watching that. And then she poured from the kettle. I'm like, what, the, what is... She put the milk in the kettle. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell have you done? I'm like, so that kid should never do anything permanent. No, no, no that's no. not safe. Um, smart kid, otherwise, I don't know what's going on there. Um, so, so actually, no, I can I see where she was coming what from. What happens when you put milk in the kettle? Yes. Well, fortunately, it's an old-fashioned-y kettle. Uh, it's not one with an element in it, oh, so I could right. I could wash it out. Um, it's an on-the-stove whistle. So that was good. Um, but um, yeah, she the focuses. I don't think you know this kid. If she's great, maybe she is just like so into it. You know those kids who are just so focused on maybe in Minecraft or something. Maybe there are kids who are that focused on these sort of things. I've seen kids who seem to be, you know, quite responsible and focused um, in other people's houses. But um, <laughs> but it is, uh, and, and no, and the, the drawing thing, exactly. I mean, like talking about the design of a T-shirt I get sick of. I mean, I, my kids' pictures that come home from school, like we the ones that are, we keep them for a while, and then we go through a secret chuck out. And yeah, when yeah, yeah well, they, they can't they can't be aware of the chuck out, can they? Well, they found us doing it recently, <laughs> and they're like, "Don't you keep them? We keep some. We keep a few, but don't you keep them? Oh, we keep the good ones." Oh, that is such a problem, though. Yeah. They just the the piles of paper just yeah. stack and up. And they said, "But you told me they were all good, Daddy." And you're yeah. like, "I lied. Five <laughs> percent <laughs> were great. They were good at the time, but now you're looking back, yeah." Because I think that's the thing as well, is that if you can't recognise what it is or the or the exactly when it was done or who did it by looking at it, then get rid of it. Mm, and so it's true because you won't... Yeah. You, don't, you don't want any of that stuff on your skin. Just no, say. and I think... So my daughter has this thing. Um, it might have something to do with my parenting failures, but she, if she goes out of the lines, if she ruins something in ink on paper, she has a complete... Meltdown. So imagine if she's tattooing something and goes out of the line. She would, every time she'd see me, she'd burst into tears. Exactly. She'd have to move out. You'd get half a tattoo. That's the other thing. Mm. Like when I say, uh, Adelaide, put your clothes away, the end of the half of them might get put away, and then there's some socks here and there. That would be the tattoo. Yeah, you'd have It'd be a half a tattoo. And And like, why did you stop? You know, colouring it in. Mr. Squiggle exactly. on your arm. I love that show. Do you even know who Mr. Squiggle is, Holly? I have heard. We didn't have it where I grew oh, up on the other woman. side of the world, but I, I, I am familiar. You need yes. to, to get you know busy on uh, YouTube and watch the <laughs> Mr. He's Squiggle. A, he's a little bit creepy though, right? Oh, it's great though. The it's blackboard gross. talks and everything. Oh, I do. Hurry <laughs> up. <laughs> All right. Next is a new social media trend taking feminism back decades. This isn't you. That's right, Joanna. This isn't me. It's a whole new me. I'm happy and I'm healthy because I understand what's important in life. Yes, your new book. That's right. That's what's important. My new cookbook and my husband and my family and making a perfect home. It's a lesson every gal needs to learn. Now, that's Bette Midler in the remake of The Stepford Wives, originally, I think, a 1970s film. I never saw it because I, even the trailer terrifies me and makes me feel ill. And basically, it's a, a story, if you don't know it, where um, 
in this quiet little American town, all these powerful women are made into robots by their husbands. So they're the perfect, beautiful wives, very subservient and are all about domestic bliss. And uh, a version of this nightmare is playing out on social media. If you listen to writer Felicity Harley, who filed a story this week um, about the hashtag trad wives. So essentially, it's a group of women who adhere to a, a traditional view of of mothers as homemakers and they post about their domestic achievements with pride and they talk about it being their most important work and um, Felicity argues that it's a it's a really dangerous step backwards um, when it comes to equality between the genders and of course Simon you'll be happy to know I'm coming to you first on this one yeah <laughs> do you think <laughs> hashtag trad wives is dismantling the victories of feminism or is it a feminist victory that women can actually choose to embrace the domestic sphere? Well, well first, firstly, I think Felicity Harley's great. She's a brilliant woman and she's a lovely person. I, I think she's got a head screwed on the right way. I think that there is definitely uh, value and a lot of value in domestic work. Like, I mean, um, whether it's a stay-at-home dad, stay-at-home mum, whatever, the, you know, it's important stuff. You just keep that ship on keel, that sort of thing. But... You know what? It's pretty boring stuff. It is important, <laughs> yes. and it, and it is an expression of love to do that work. You know, by all that really dull stuff and, and making the house look you know, nice when someone comes home, whether it be the kids, and then they destroy it, or or your husband slash wife, whatever. Um, it, that is, it's a kind of an act of love, and I often have forgotten that in the past myself. But it is an act of love. Is it? Is it worth sharing online? No way. Like that's, that's the line here. People think that everything they do is worth sharing. It's just not. Just keep that stuff to yourself. Mm. Like I don't, every time I mow the lawn, which is quite an achievement at my house, it's four <laughs> levels of lawn. It's very hard. It's very difficult. And I have four, four levels, levels of lawn? Oh, Where do you it's live? A, it's a very hilly live spot. live in Parliament House. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's very hilly. And, um, you know, I look at us, stand there and go, oh, that looks really good. Have I once Instagrammed it? No, because... You should. Who cares? <laughs> no one cares. There's got to be a hashtag, best mode lawn or something like that. Trad dads. Yeah. Trad dads. Oh, you know? yeah. that would be fun. Yeah, or just making a go-kart. I wanted to see, to, I wanted to see a hashtag of um, dads being trad wives. Yes, Like exactly. in a nice pretty apron doing the dinner that's, or something. That's probably a different website altogether. <laughs> I think that one. Look, you're clearly way too, uh, you know, self-assured because the reason everybody Instagrams their perfect lawns and their perfect lunchboxes all the thing is for validation, right? Yeah. You need some. I need somebody to tell me, look at you, aren't you killing it? And you're like, yes, look at my lawns, yes. But you're <laughs> obviously quite secure in yourself. I think that's that's to be admired. Um, the thing about the hashtag tradwives, I loved Felicity's piece, but it's infuriating because, of course, if there are people, and there are many, who are fulfilled and happy at home doing that work, and, and Simon, you're so right, it's very important work. Someone has to do it. I think that's what we've often lost sight of, the idea that anybody has to do that, that somehow, you know, the males and females in a traditional relationship are supposed to be able to both have very high-powered job and very well-adjusted children and a perfect Instagram-worthy home without anyone actually having to do any of that, <laughs> yes. just magically going to happen. It's clearly nonsense. And, and I'm very happy that there are women who feel really fulfilled by domestic work and they want to know that they are valued in the world, right? That's great. 
But the problem is, is anything that women do, you put a hashtag on it, we will immediately be pitted against the other women who don't do that. And there'll be a big discussion about it. And you're a trader and you're trying to make me feel bad. And your nice lunchboxes and your clean house makes me feel bad about my messy house and my bad lunchboxes. And you're the enemy of me. And it's just nonsense, right? Mm. I can totally see where trad wives have come from because... A lot of women who are at home will tell you that they get these days a lot of pity. A lot of, oh, are you just, is that all? Oh, you know, do you get bored? You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and they want to punch us, which is fun. I'm a very, very, I say us because I'm as far from a trad wife as you could possibly get. But so I really understand that possibly this is the right moment for a resurgence of pride and value in that, if, if that makes you happy. But the reason that working mums have always found it so frustrating is because we were brought up told that we should be able to do that. And so if we don't want to do that, there's something wrong with us. Yes, that's true. But again, it's just women being pitted against women and it's tiresome. So mm. trad wives, knock yourselves out. As long as I'm not expected to don the pinny. I'm fine with it. And I'm okay with Donna and Penny as long as I don't have to do the work associated with the Penny. I mean, one of the, um, a friend of mine on Facebook always posts these really funny pictures. It looks like she never does laundry until she has 10 piles of it. And then she'll do it all at once. And then she'll post pictures of, oh yeah, I should be... I should be sorting this laundry, but instead she's written SOS in socks or something, you know. Mm. And, and that, that kind of is, it balances out that ideal perfectionism. But I love what you said, Simon, about it being an act of love. Mm. Because my mum was a working mum and so was my dad, but our home was always so clean and tidy, but it was an act of love. Like I grew up in a home which felt, now for me, cleanliness feels like safety in a way but there's there, and there's skill sets yes. as well and um mm. and it's not to say that one skill set is is a man's world and a woman's world it's not about that so within whenever within every family you know people are good at different things or people are proactive in different ways and um and my wife has trained me well to now make sure if i look around the house and i see stuff on bench tops and this and i'm like yeah let's get this Sorted, I am curious though, because our kids, Holly, my kids are a little bit younger than yours. Do children stop leaving random shit everywhere? No. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> unbelievable. Is it just different random? They'd stuff? be happy to go to bed and leave Lego all over the lantern floor. And I'd say to them, I say, "See that stuff there? Is that where that belongs?" And they're like, "Oh no." And I go, "Because if you don't put it away, who will?" Oh, you. And I go, "Is that fair?" Oh no. So what do you reckon? Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I spell it out. And that's kind of something that my wife's trained me to do. Yes. Like I, I'm pretty good at sitting around with a mess building up around me. Like I, I, that happens. And I'm better. These days it, that doesn't happen so much. And she's. Okay, we need to talk to Simon's wife. We do. But well, she, she uses a very, very, um, very small carrot, but a very big stick. So. <laughs> I can absolutely see the appeal. And Felicity touched on this in her story about it, is that. Women are constantly talking about how frantic our lives are now and how we're still carrying all the mental load very often of, of home and food and school events and friendships and the social diary and all that stuff, as well as holding down a full-time job. So there's something very appealing, <laughs> not to suggest it's easy because it's, of course it isn't, but there's something very appealing about because when you read these social media posts about trad wives, um, they say, you know, we have very clear roles in our house and that leads to happiness and harmony. And you're like... 
well, that sounds lovely. But if my role was only, uh, not only, but if my role was cleaning everything and picking up after everybody and cooking every piece of food and everyone else in the house got to do whatever the hell they wanted, I would not be feeling very harmonious. (laughs) I would be feeling rageful. And I think that's what happened in the 60s and 70s. Yes, there was a lot of Valium being taken. (laughs) Well, that's when when everyone woke up and started burning the bras. I mean, I've had enough. That's right. I I think like uh, myself and my wife, probably in the same page, we would both enjoy wholly to to be a sub, submerged in our careers and do as much of it as we can that we enjoy, but also both be very much available, like anyone would, mm. very much available at home for the kids, for the family, and for each other. Um, because we are quite flexible, you know, I'm a comedian and a voice artist. She's a, an actor and a voice artist and a yoga teacher. It's all very here and there. So we kind of pass the ball around you know Mm. who's going to be there and who's going to so it becomes a bit of a it's a bit of handballing but it works really well and whoever is at home is kind of expected to be the trad wife uh, to the best of their ability yeah um but i'm not putting it on instagram (laughs) no one really cares I want to see your lawn now yeah, before late. Not right now. It's <laughs> gotten pretty crazy. <laughs> the, the, rain. the rain. Yeah. Okay. Well, kind of on a similar um, similar topic, lunch boxes. Many parents hate packing them, but some seem to be making a sport out of it. That's up next on the Parent Panel. Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, presenter of the babyology podcast, Feed, Play, Love. When it comes to raising children, it's nice to know you're not alone. Feed, Play, Love is the friend who's there when you need a helping hand. We acknowledge that it takes time and support and it's bumpy when you move from being a child to an adult. Just like we should acknowledge that it takes time and support and it's bumpy when you become a mum. I speak to experts and real parents about everything from babies who won't sleep to toddlers who won't listen and everything in between. So join me. And we can all thrive and learn together. Feed, Play, Love. Available wherever you get your podcasts. PB&J with the crusts cut off. Well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch. All the food groups are represented. Did your mom marry Mr. Rogers? Uh, no, Mr. Johnson. Huh. So that's the lunchtime scene from uh, the, the Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah. Yes, it should be a little quiz. I recognise yeah. Judd yeah. Nelson. It should be. Um, he was just so good when he said, uh, "No, Mr. Johnson," and it was just so innocent. I'm like, "Kapow! He got you, you bully!" Uh, but sorry if you haven't seen the Breakfast Club. It's just uh, a bunch of misfits on detention and they're eating the lunch and everyone's kind of observing the strange things that everybody else is eating. And of course, there was one part of that scene where the jock has this big paper bag and he takes out about three sandwiches and milk and cookies and all this sort of stuff, um, which is what one mum on the Aldi Mums Facebook posted about a lunch she packed for her son. Now, her son's in high school, but apparently his lunch included... Half a punnet of cherry tomatoes, three apples, two bananas, a cucumber, three muesli bars, two sandwiches, two mini muffins, a trio of processed cheese sticks, a pack of carrots, two nectarines, grapes, and a small box of nuts. Oh, that's a bit 
big lunchbox. I'm, I'm assuming that's a boy. <laughs> that is a boy, yeah. a teenage boy. Yeah. And um, Darren Levin was writing about it um, and he was saying, he also looked at another page which was um, Mums Who Budget and Save and found a mum who had prepped a whole term's worth of food including ham and cheese, pizza pinwheels. So it wasn't like she was just putting a loaf of bread in the freezer, which is what we do, just so mm. that bread stays fresh. Um, Holly, how do you pack <laughs> lunch boxes and do you ever bake goods? Oh dear, lunch boxes in my house, a constant source of frustration and anger, to be honest. <laughs> um, my two kids, one of them is a, is a vegetarian. My daughter Matilda is a vegetarian and she eats lots of veggies and fruit and she's, you know, her lunchbox looks almost Instagram worthy most mm. days. Yeah. But my son only eats white and brown food. <laughs> <laughs> and I have spoken to every expert, as I know you have, um, Siobhan, about this and they say, keep trying him, keep trying him, just keep putting the veggies on his plate for seven and a half years. <laughs> So I've just given up. And uh, his lunchbox just looks like rice crackers, popcorn, veggie. Like just, it's just bad, right? And the thing is, is that I just want them to eat. Yes. At the end of the day, you just want them to eat. Everybody's in a hurry. So you just throw what you can in there. Yes. And it's just, I don't know, I find it really hard to imagine. I know that one day the teacher will send a note home that says this lunchbox is appalling. <laughs> You're going to be shamed. Because teachers don't have enough to do, so now they're supposed to police the lunchboxes too. Yeah. And uh, I will be shamed, I'm sure. But I honestly have given up in that. I just put whatever I can in there to uh, to make sure they eat. But a question I would love to know the answer to is when do we stop packing the kids' lunches? When do they make their own lunches? Because why? there's a bit of me that's like, why is this late? packing her, her high sons. school son's lunchbox, which must be a lunch backpack, let's face it, because it's so much food. But when do we stop doing that? Because I'd love to think that soon-ish they could be making their own lunches. Mm. Am I right? I, I don't remember ever making my own lunch in high school. So my mum is a champion, and, mm. but she did a lot of things. Like she would make sandwiches on a Sunday and freeze them all. And so oh, basically dro- like drop them into the lunchbox every... Are so soggy? Because I've yes. been told to do that lots of times. Soggy. And I'm like, but they will be soggy. Totally soggy. Mm. And mm. if it was a really cold day, sometimes they wouldn't even defrost. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd bite through and you'd... But I'd eat it because I was might hungry. ice block. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I, but it's, it's funny because I think that the... I mean, not every school's different. But for the schools my kids you know go to and have been to and whatever... The canteen food is is garbage. Yeah, it's right. generally garbage. Even the, the healthy options are garbage. Like you, you could do better. Um, <clears throat> so much so my, my kids' primary school, the canteen was so bad they just killed it. So there's, there's no, there is no canteen. Uh-huh. Um, if you want a lunch order, they do this thing with an external sort of cafe who sends in things. But you know, it's not great. Um, and my daughter's, you know, uh, at a high school, which is huge. And in order to get a order from the canteen, she would kill half her lunch break. Like it's just such yeah, a such big a school, such and... a big, yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, so we're not really on board with the canteen. So we do try and make the lunch boxes as well, healthy to start. So there's got to be fruit in there. You know, there's, mm. you know, it's, it's got to be enough to fill them. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we do keep, and we keep junk out. 
Um, I've got to well. say, my husband does the lunch boxes, so I have no right to complain about anything because it was a deal we made. He leaves home at 6 a.m. and when he got this job, I was like, you can leave home at 6 a.m., but you have to do the lunch boxes. I refuse. That's a really good deal. To do that too, you. right? Um, and he's very sick of doing lunch boxes now, <laughs> yeah. but he also doesn't have the same ideas about nutrition as me. Um, and so he snuck all kinds of things into their lunchbox. Although the, the funniest thing was on the first day of my son's school, like he started this year, the funniest thing is that he made them Nutella sandwiches. Yes. Oh, no. And I was what like... What a precedent. I said, oh. but I was like, it wasn't even the fact that Nutella is essentially chocolate on bread. It's that it's called Nuts. Nut. Teller. Oh yeah, yeah and he has known killer kid for three years. <laughs> yeah. He's known not to pack. He hasn't packed. He said to me, "I'm not packing peanut butter sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches, <laughs> but Nutella." Somehow yeah, missed right. it. Exactly. Um, but I kind of I respect that you you do lunches like that. But I have this thing where I want some elements of parenting to go back to the '80s when we were kids, and my mum got away with giving me several times. A cheese and chutney sandwich. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I had a, I had weirdo food, but so know. weird. Yeah. And you're right, you eat it because you're hungry, but also there was no pressure. I'm sure she put fruit in, but it was like literally a sandwich with a spread. If you're lucky, it's something edible and yeah. and a piece of fruit. What you know, and if it's brown and white, and that's what you son. Oh. As long as they're eating and that you get veggies and fruit in at some point. Mm. Why does it have to be this pressure? And the bento boxes, which are the, I mean, I have a bento box for Billy, but like the, with all the little compartments in them, they look so pretty. <laughs> they do. But honest to God, who's got time for all the food styling? I often start <laughs> the term with the bento box and by the end of term, it's just a Vegemite Sanger and an apple. Just off you go. <laughs> go for but we're lucky. My kids' school canteen is very healthy. They like They only have healthy things. So when we know we've got a crazy day, and we just don't have time. We just do the lunch orders online and they don't have any junk food and everything's good. So mm. we're lucky in that way. But so your son, who's a fussy eater, will still eat food from... He'll eat from them. They do like a, a pasta bolognese, you know, and they'll eat that because it's brown. He'll eat that, maybe, you know. But but they also it. do, on Thursdays, they do sushi, you know, like it's yes, like yes. that. And it's just an ordinary public school, but they have they have a really good, and this, all the snacks are fruit, no sugar, blah, 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 organic, this and that. You know, this is modern parenting. My kids are actually, they're not fussy eaters in the sense that they won't eat anything. They will eat everything and they'll try everything. We're really lucky and I'm not sure how that plays out and how it happened, but they will, you know, they love olives. They eat all sorts of weird things that some kids will say no to. What they are fussy about, and out, and their canteen outsourcing thing at school does do sushi, but my kids are like, yeah, I don't really want. That's not good quality sushi, um, <laughs> so they're a bit yeah. fussy. They're foodies. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what happened there, so we have to make it. Sometimes my wife's been known to make sushi, which is <gasps> I've got to say, not often. It's amazing, but we, she's a yoga teacher as well. I remember know, that. I live in your house with the lawns and the homemade sushi. She I didn't know. Instagram it or anything. Oh my god! No. Why Again, not? so secure. I know. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> oh my, who are these people? Self-assured. They eat well. It's a hashtag trage mums. So <laughs> tragic. All right, our final topic in just a moment: the most irritating thing your child does. This week, both my children had 
consistent issues with their socks. And even when I was thinking about this topic, I know there's people out there going, oh, well, that's really mean. Maybe they've got sensory issues. And I understand there are children on the spectrum who have sensory issues. These are not my children. I know that they are not on the spectrum, but they just, their socks are such an issue. And I have spent so much money. The last time I bought socks for them, I ordered them from Israel. Oh my goodness. People in this office were like, don't spend that much money on socks. I went, they're seamless. And I'm going to get them because I need socks I can put on my kids' feet. What are, the, every what are day. their issues with socks? What are these specific oh, problems? Well, here? they're not specific. That's the whole issue. Like, I'll put them on. I, I, they're not comfortable, Mum. I thought the seams were an issue, but then I got seamless socks, and that was still not happening. Uh, they wear pur- uh, purple. They wear navy socks during the uh, Monday to Thursday, and they get to wear white socks on Friday because it's. That's crazy. I know. It's going wild. Honestly, this week, I'm like, I do not give a freak what colour socks. <laughs> put them on! Uh, and so there are things that our children have, little quirks they have. Simon, do you have a pet parenting irritation? Is there anything your children do that you just... Yeah. Um, and I was trying to think if it's different for both of them. Um, so, so with my daughter, the one thing for her is, I always say, when you, you know, take off whatever clothes, if they're clean, you know, put them back on a hanger and hang them up. Which, uh, if that happens, if, they, if she gets to that point and hangs it up... I go to the, I open the cupboard and it's just this Frankenstein's mess of <laughs> like it's it's on the hanger but it's not on the hanger it's like bunched up and it's shoved in and it's like it's like a it looks like a twisted vine or something it's just and it's technically it's on the hanger but, I'm but like, it's not doing the job it's not that doing the hanger's meant to be doing no it's not doing anyone any good no. and I'm like for God's sake you got to the point of putting a hanger in it and putting. Just, you know, flatten it out. Flatten <laughs> it out. And that is, for her, that is the biggest pet peeve. Mm. Um, but my, my son, I think, maybe is pretty, pretty sweet kid, pretty easygoing. Doesn't argue a lot. I'd say it's probably it's toilet related. And, uh, and, it, <laughs> and you know what? I've, I've been living in houses of women for years, since I was like 24 I haven't shared a house with a dude mm-hmm. uh, until this little boy came along <laughs> almost 10 years ago. And I've become very good at lifting the seat and putting it down. And yeah, I'm like... And, and walk, getting in the bowl. Yeah. I walk in there and I'm like, okay, I, there's only one person in this house who's peed on that seat. <laughs> and dude, I know who it is. You it, can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. And I think what's worse is then that sometimes he decides, you know, he might sit down for heavy duty action and he'll wee at the same time and i lift up the toilet seat and under the toilet seat it's a complete mess of this mm. it's, it's like what are you yeah weed up under the seat i'm like god toilet troubles toilet anyway troubles. so there you go it's funny how your socks are the issue um because mornings are the issue right in, mm-hmm. in my house it's when this the, when everything's going to go wrong it's always in the morning and I can't tell you over the years how many people I've spoken to about morning routines and how many different morning routines we've tried and we've written things out and we've stuck them on the fridge and we've <laughs> reward charts and this and that. And, that. and for some reason, it is still a complete revelation every single morning that my children have to brush their teeth, <laughs> put their shoes and socks on every morning. <laughs> I can't tell you. It's just become my mantra after after a certain time, 7.30 a.m., it's just like shoes, socks, teeth. You know, shoes, socks, teeth, over and over again. (laughs) 
and they're just wandering around mm. as if they've never heard this before every day. My son, to get my son to brush his teeth, you have to pretty much like put on a show in the bathroom to like lure him in there, <laughs> you know, lure him in there and then be like, yeah, while you're brushing your teeth, let's do this crazy thing. Or, you know, we've tried those apps on the phone with the teeth oh, brushing. Yes. That works for a while, but then you always have to have your phone. So then he's just standing in the bathroom with his toothbrush going, phone! And he's going through a phase of me where he spells everything. So this morning he's just standing in the bathroom with his toothbrush in the air just going, P-H-O-N-E! <laughs> yeah, that's irritating. Darcy went through a phase where she, instead of calling me mum, she'd say M U M. That's what Billy's doing. M U M. I'm M U M at all times. And, and I don't. Mm. What's that for? I don't know. Look, while we're on a rant, can we bring up whinging? <laughs> oh, because oh. I just don't even. Someone said to me once, look, you can't tell a child not to whinge because they don't know what it is. So what I do is when. Like constantly, mom, mom. I'm like Darcy, Darcy. <laughs> it's really annoying, isn't it? <laughs> so that they can, it's just, it just doesn't stop. I think oh, I'm going to ignore that and it will stop. But they can go forever with the whinging. And, the, and there are lots. They have a lot of complaints. A very long list of feedback. Well, they don't for even you need, at all times. But don't you find they don't even need a reason? Like they can just have the voice, yeah, and then they've yeah. forgotten what they're complaining about. Yeah. I often say to my kids because um, they, they'll come in, and it's normally whinging about each other. Mm-hmm. Normally, oh, yes. it's a bit of a whinge about. Yep. Uh, um, I say, go back and talk to me like you would talk to a teacher at school. You know, how do you talk to teacher at school? And it'd be like, okay, dad, um, Fletcher did this thing and it's really annoying. I went, okay, now we're talking. And it's like, you're talking to me like it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what right. whinging feels like to me. Yes. It's like, it's kind of like the person you're, you're bringing the grievance to, you blame them. Yes. Because that's what, and you're talking to them in that way. And there's always something impossible children want you to do. So do either of your kids... Like you might be driving in peak hour traffic and they say, mum, look at this. Or mum, oh, can yeah. you take the bottle off this? And you, you, yep. you've got, you're like, can, Can't find can my... you see what I'm doing? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm driving. Mm. I need to look at the, this morning we were driving to school. It was bumper to bumper traffic. It was awful. We're halfway there and I realized we'd forgotten my daughter's guitar. She had guitar oh. lessons today. And I had said to her before, she doesn't have to take it. They've got guitars there. I said, look, it's your job to remember. And I thought, oh. I can tell her now and deal with the tantrum the whole way there. Or I can leave it and spring it on before I leave. And I thought, no, be a good parent. So I told her. She started having a tantrum in the car. And I'm like, so you want me to turn around now and get the guitar and therefore be late to school? Like, there's no logic process. I wouldn't have even told her. I would have just said bye. And she would have found out (laughs) when the music lesson came up. Same. And you wouldn't have even been there for that. That's true. (laughs) I know. I really... Rookie error. Just, I should have known that. Just let that one go because she'll just be like, oh, because this is the thing. I'm doing that. One of the things we're instilling this school year is you check your bag. You're responsible. If it's library day, are the books in there? This is a hiding to nowhere. This is absolutely <laughs> not working. So far this year, nothing has happened even once. Today, we were walking to school today and we left the house and we got halfway up the road and I suddenly like, Billy, where's your bag? He left his whole bag. <laughs> In the house. And I'm like, oh, God, this is this is not working. It's I not have working. been walking to school once and the, the family I was with will remain na- nameless, but I'm very close to them. We were walking to school and the little girl turned to her mum and she must have been about seven or eight. She said, mum, I forgot to put my undies on. Oh, my. <laughs> no. And I was thinking, 
How does one forget oh, yeah. to put one's underpants on? As I always say, the apple never falls far from the tree, so <laughs> yeah. I'd talk to mum about that one. <laughs> What's going on there? I've got to say, I quite like the rant. Maybe I'll just introduce a rant at the end of every show. Yes. Get yeah. it off my chest. Here That's for that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Let just it invite out. you back. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Siobhan. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and produced by me, Siobhan Hunt. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au forward slash parent panel. Thank you.